What's up everyone and welcome to episode 62 of the Just an Insight podcast. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer. I am a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, So last week was a bit of a fuck up, uh, totally on my part. Uh, I was meant to record an episode, uh, not Sunday just gone, the Sunday before, uh, but that fell through just due to timing conflicts, nothing either party could do. Um... But then this episode was meant to be last week, but work got super manic, so I didn't have a chance to edit it. So this is now what was going to be last week's. And then I went away for my birthday, so I didn't have any chance to do anything else. So apologies, there was no episode last week. But we're still here. I didn't drop off the face of the earth. Uh, As you guys know, every now and then real life has to get in the way. So unfortunately we drop off of a week and sometimes we don't have guests so we drop off a week and these things happen but we'll always return as long as you guys keep listening um yeah so so since we kind of last chatted uh, a few things have happened uh went and saw uh code orange at my local venue the wedge of dreams uh went into it not with not many sort of expectations like i'm kind of into them but i wouldn't call myself a fan necessarily but they were fucking incredible <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah, and it's kind of clear to see why many people were kind of earmarking them for the sort of like to be the future of sort of metal and hardcore, especially in that kind of heavier sort of subgenre of of, of both genres. Um, so yeah, that was a really cool show. Uh, then just had a busy two days at, at work where I just had to sort of plough through a load of stuff uh, before I went up to London for my birthday to go see Converge. Now, I have to share my embarrassment with the world a little bit here. Um, So I set off early on Thursday morning to to go up to London uh, to see uh, some of my friends who were all all there for the day and for the gig as well. So set off, all going along fine. Uh, Get to the outskirts of London and all of a sudden I just have this horrible feeling of I've forgotten something. So I pull over, check my bag, lo and behold, forgotten the ticket to the show. So I phone up the electric ballroom, say I've bought a ticket, got all the credentials to to prove that I have, even got my dad to send me a photo of it. Um, Will that be enough to get me in? No, you need a physical ticket or get in touch with the person who distributed it, which was Ticketmaster. So I did the same thing. Got in touch with Ticketmaster. They're like, no, it's the other day of the show, can't do anything, yada, yada, yada. Without a ticket, you can't get in. So turn around, hottail it back to Portsmouth, grab the ticket, drive back to London and enjoy the rest of my birthday. It was pretty manic, it was very stressful for a couple of hours, but once I finally got into London, saw my friends, we went and got some some records, which is always my favourite pastime, uh, got some food, went back to where we were staying, chilled out for a bit and then went to the gig. Uh, and it, that was awesome as in itself. I, I realise I say awesome a lot, I do apologise. Um, but Thal, who were kind of one of the main bands that I went to see, were nuts, just heavy as hell. Literally sounded like hell on earth was happening right then. Um, and Converge were just incredible as always. I think if you've ever seen them, then you know they don't disappoint. And this was another night they didn't. Only, not really a criticism, but something that was quite interesting. Uh, they played a lot of material off the You Fail Me album and the new album, The Dusk in Us, uh, which they'd kind of been playing at... Road burn, so it kind of makes sense because it's the stuff they've been practicing over and over. Um, but they actually played the song "The Dusk in Us" as well, which I was not expecting. Um, and I'm not going to lie, got a little bit emotional during it. So that was 
pretty cool and it was nice to see Converge kind of peel things back to, to that just sort of raw state I guess is the best way to describe it um, now as I'm recording uh, this intro uh, I'm back at work unfortunately uh, but I'm getting pumped because I go over to Germany in a week's time because I'm going to the Mr. Stars Festival uh, which I cannot wait for because suffocate for fuck's sake applying it and they're just rad as fuck if you're, if you're not aware of them please 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 go check them out um, I'm lucky enough to go see them twice this year because they've been announced to play Fuff Festival as well um, anyway I've babbled on way too long in this intro so I do apologise Let's get on to my guest. Uh, it's my good friend Simon Walker. Uh, Simon plays in the bands Monolithian and Rash Decision, two very different kind of style of bands, but two bands that sum up his his taste succinctly, I think, and I, that becomes apparent as we get onto the chat. Uh, we obviously talk about his origins in each band. Uh, we talk about him being straight edge, like myself, uh, and we also talk about our other shared love, which is wrestling. So, yeah, this is a really good one. Uh, Simon was one of the people that I'd earmarked as someone that I wanted to chat to when we kind of went in the direction of getting these more one-to-one chats. Um, so, yeah, I'm really glad to finally have got him on the show. Um, I'm going to shut up now and enjoy, let you enjoy the chat that I have with Simon Walker, and I'll see you on the other side. sat in a weird adjacent apartment to the in the birdcage infesting which i didn't even know existed with uh bassist and vocalist and guitar shredder uh simon walker of the bands monolithian and rash decision simon thank you for taking the time to have a brief chat to me how are you how's life i'm great it's, i'm all about it man yeah yeah um as like, i mentioned to you before kind of started recording obviously the show is uh look back on sort of my guests sort of musical journey and so on and so forth so uh, how I kind of like to start it is to ask them how you kind of got into alternative music in the first place so what was your kind of intro- introduction to alternative music well when I was a kid I, the thing I cared like probably the least about was music right okay it was really weird I like I just like to draw and I like to just like play in the woods and stuff nice and then my sister she got into this whole new metal thing and she was listening to like Linkin Park. Is she and, older, younger? Yeah, she's older than me. She's right. five years older than me. So I was really little, and she was like early teens or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then she was getting into Linkin Park like heavy, and she was sort of forced me to listen to it. Listen yeah, to yeah. Her. Um, so I sort of got. I, I didn't really like it at first, <laughs> <laughs> but then she'd always make me watch like Kerrang and stuff. And then I realised that I really liked some of the bands like yeah. Sum Forty One and yeah, yeah. Nirvana and stuff. So I, I started listening to punk music like Ramones and shit like that and then it just sort of transitioned into yeah. heavier and heavier faster and faster but it was all from my sister she was the gateway drug yeah I couldn't I would like couldn't care less I think <laughs> I think I had a tape that had on side A had the hokey pokey <laughs> awesome. side B had um, Billy Ray Cyrus achy breaky heart brilliant and I had like the cartoons and, <clears throat> and like aqua and all that stuff and like now now 20 yeah, and yeah. Robbie Williams as well, well I think because I, I was kind of the same but the the opposite so because obviously my, I've got an older brother and he was sort of my introduction to it but I was uh, oh I want to be like my brother so I kind of got into it that way but so I don't want to kind of fast forward too much but how did you kind of as you say you kind of progressively got sort of heavier so what was the sort of 
first band that you kind of like really grasped onto and thought like this is my band kind of thing um probably Tool yeah like my, my sister was really into Tool but I would always steal her CDs and yeah that was really the, the first band where I was like wow <laughs> you know and there's um there's like a really heavy riff at the end of the song Parabola yeah yeah where it's like this really slow riff and I was like I want to make music like that <laughs> and that was like the first seed of me wanting to play like doom metal and yeah stuff. yeah but yeah it was Tool and The Misfits yeah I used to go on, I, I used to go on I don't know that you're wire. wearing a Misfit shirt right now yeah so. <laughs> I used to go on LimeWire and I would download every single Misfit song and then there'd be some like random ones that were like labelled as Misfit songs but weren't Misfit songs but I, I still loved them because yeah, I thought yeah. it was a Misfits but uh, yeah Misfits and Tool and they're probably still my favourite bands yeah. of all time and so uh, the other thing that I always like to, to ask is kind of another side of obviously music especially sort of like the music that we're all into is kind of like the live aspect so what was your sort of first exposure to, to kind of heavier music live like what was the first like <laughs> quote unquote big band that you remember seeing live uh, my, my dad took me to go see Status Quo <laughs> awesome at Pendennis Castle in Cornwall they were supported by a local band an indie band called My Elvis Blackout and uh, yeah <laughs> I was very bored yeah but um, I think a funny story behind this as well the, the first show that I went to that I was like that really sort of like triggered something inside me was a local show I was hanging out with some friends and we, we'd heard that there was like a house party or something right. so we were like trying to find it and we finally found it and what it was was a death metal show in, okay. and it was in this house it was a house show that it was a house that had been converted from an old like funeral home and mortuary oh okay so in the basement it was like an old this mortuary. is in Falmouth or? this is in Falmouth yeah. yeah and yeah there was a local band there was a local band called Hinnom that were playing an old death metal band and a few others that I can't quite remember but the important thing about that show was I met a man called Dave Gilmurray at that show who is now who I now play in the band Rash yeah. season with and um, I'm, he's like my best man at his wedding. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm his uh, daughter's godfather. But like we met at that show and we're talking about the Misfits together. I was like 13 or something. Yeah. Like just starting to play guitar. Um, yeah. So that was the show where I was like, this is this is what I want to do. I yeah. Wanna, like because everyone was just going nuts. People like strobe lights. People were throwing around like a severed dummy head. <laughs> and it was just this obnoxious terribly played death metal I'm sorry Steve (laughs) (laughs) I doubt he's listening but um, that show I was I remember walking home with my friend Saul who now plays in the band Kid Brother oh yeah yeah he used to play in a band called Weathered Hands he was me and him like started playing together I remember walking home with him and being like like yeah 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 that's it that's cool so you you said obviously like around sort of 13 started playing guitar so was that when you kind of first started like experimenting with playing music yourself or were you kind of introduced to that sort of an early age at school or things like that yeah I, I never did music at school it, it was just something that I, me, me and Saul my friend sort of we, we sort of took it upon ourselves to try mm. I started out on bass and he played guitar and we had a terrible little three chord punk band brilliant um, called Three Lost Paranoids <laughs> awesome rest in peace um yeah so it was it was literally just we 
that was how we started on it. Yeah. So, like, obviously, so you said you kind of started the band off then. So, was were you playing sort of gigs with with that band, or we played one gig? Yeah. And that was kind of that was it. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. yeah, we played one show in the Falmouth Rugby Club with the band's Damn It, which is Dave from Rash Decisions' old band, right? A band called the Eyelids, uh, still going today. Like oh wow! Legendary all-female psychobilly band. Oh awesome! Yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah, so one show. So, tell me through because obviously a lot of people will know you from Monolithian and yeah. and, and Rash. So, kind of give me a, a whistle-stop tour of like sort of how you because. Was Rash? Uh, sorry, was Monolithium before you joined Rash? Or? No, it was a few years after. Okay. Um, well, I found an old Rash Decision CD in an old like local music shop when I was around that same time when I went to the show. Yeah. When I met Dave, I didn't realise he was in Rash Decision right. at that time. But I found their demo in an old like local music shop, and I took it home and I thought it was amazing. I used to message him on MySpace, <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, dude, you gotta let me join your band." And he just would let me <laughs> because I was just a young kid, and like they were like seriously touring. Yeah, yeah. Like around Europe and the UK, and they had various lineup changes. And, I, and every time they'd need someone, I was like, "Dude, let me in." Yeah, yeah. Like, no, man, you're like five. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, when I finally, literally the year I turned age eighteen, I, I, I tried out to be their bass player, yeah. and then they were like. We have another guy of a bass player, but we're gonna have you in as a second guitar, and that was yeah, about ten years ago. Yeah, because yeah. I think the very first time I saw Rash was pro- Jochen probably put them on at some yeah. point, but you weren't in them, and then obviously I met you through Monolithian, so I wasn't sure which which kind of came first. Yeah, yeah, I was, I've been in Rash since '09, so yeah, nearly ten years. Yeah, but so I've I have jumped ahead, so obviously. Started off with the the three piece punk band. So how did you kind of yeah. were there sort of other bands that you were doing yeah. like regular shows with, or and was was Rash kind of your first experience of touring, or had you kind of done stuff beforehand? No, I was in a stoner rock band from in Falmouth called the Bad Channels. Yeah, and that was my baby, and like that was I did that, and I was like that was my main focus for the longest time yeah and there were, there were members would come and go but it was always me and I would write all the songs and it was like it was my thing yeah we finally settled on a, like a really good lineup and then we used to like play like every week locally okay cool and that was like my first taste of like playing busy shows with people that like knew the words to the songs yeah. because we all our friends would always come to the shows and sing along and someone got a, a damn bad channels tattoo on their chest <laughs> awesome uh, he's since covered it up. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but like, yeah. So I was, I was doing that for a while, and I, that was what made Dave want to give me a chance in the band because he saw us play in the Jacob's Ladder Pub in Falmouth, and was right. like, yeah, yeah, let's give him a shout. So yeah. Cool. So th- so then, yeah. So w- was Rash kind of like your first sort of experience of extensive touring? Right? Yeah, totally. I, I joined the band like I'm this 18 year old kid. Joined the band and literally within maybe three months of joining the band, I was on. It was in Europe. Oh wow! Yeah. So, like, talk me through kind of your first experience on the road because I think everyone kind of obviously has a a different. Like, there's obviously like uh, sort of nervous excitement to it, but obviously. Oh man, I was bricking it. <laughs> I'd never been abroad, ever. Oh wow! Uh, I like before I was in Rash, I barely ever left Cornwall. Oh wow! Like I'd been up country to like download festival. Yeah, like, yeah. Twice. 
and like for a clutch gig in Nottingham but that was about the long and short of it I'd, like I was very closed in just because I'd, I never really had the, the means to get out yeah and then, and then it was rash and it was just like boom yeah so I had to like quickly apply for a passport <laughs> I, I, I think I got it like maybe like a couple of weeks before we left okay and then it was then yeah it was, it was a two like two week long Euro tour yeah and it was insane and because I think obviously Rash has been a band that they're very sort of busy and constantly sort of doing it things non stop so, yeah so for we'll get on to obviously the, the evolution of Monolithian in a, in a moment but yeah. have you kind of found like now that it's sort of balancing between the two bands or or is it just a case of when one band has the time you'll jump in with that and so- yeah Monolithian are more flexible we sort of run by our own time because right. um, we, we, we play when we want to play okay cool. we, we don't like lock ourselves into like oh well we have to do this because otherwise people are going to forget about us or whatever like we'll play maybe like once a month or we'll do like a tour and then yeah. like be quiet for a bit Shannon's got work to do I've got work to do like we get together when we want to yeah because that way it's fun you know we don't, it doesn't feel like we're forcing ourselves to do something we play the shows we want to play yeah you know? but with Rash it's more of like a grind it's, okay it's get out there do it keep doing it yeah don't stop for, for the love of God don't stop <laughs> is yeah. that I don't want to obviously bad mouth because I don't know him that well but is that kind of Dave's influence because that's the kind of it's totally Dave's influence yeah because I, as I say I've, I kind of know him through Yock but that's the kind of vibe I get yeah. off him that he's this is kind of his project he wants to run with it and it's, 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 his, it's it. his baby it's more his baby than his actual baby <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Dave I, you know he's my brother I told him this I was joking with him yesterday but like he's a man that will get it done immediately anything yeah like we we got a new album that we just recorded okay we cool. literally got the masters a few days ago and overnight he got like six labels on board and sent it to press no that's o- crazy overnight like got it almost completely funded and then sent it to press and I was like well <laughs> well fuck <laughs> and like we, we were talking about a tour what we're doing in July and then the next day he's like right all the ferries are booked like that's crazy every, everything's booked the gig's booked when when Rash and Monolithian did Europe and Scandinavia together you know he but he like had that thing booked like a, yeah it, it was ridiculous he gets it done and um, he wants to tour so sometimes it's it's a case of like he'll book it and then it's like oh, okay here we go again yeah, yeah it's like sometimes it can be knackering but it's it's never it's never been crap yeah you know and I've kind of, I have jumped forward a little bit so I'm going to go back a little bit so, jump, jump around so obviously Rash is, a, is kind of very sort of like thrash punk Monolithian is obviously that kind of stone of doom sort of, so they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum but on a spectrum of its own kind of thing because it's not quite the mainstream sort of alternative music that's all I like I only like music that's really fast or really slow but well that's what I was going to say like for for you like because I think the the whole time I've sort of known you there's odd bands that are sort of I don't know kind of fall in that middle grounds Mm. that I know that you're a fan of but a lot of it is sort of either really fast or really slow so totally. like how did you kind of was it a case of like because you were doing the, the thrash stuff with Rash that you needed an outlet to do the slower stuff 
No, I was doing the thrash up of Rash, but all I would listen to was like Electric Wizard, right? Okay, and Sleep and shit like that, like yeah. Orange Goblin. Like I, all I, I like mainly listen to like Stoner Rock, Stoner Metal. Yeah, but I also love like Municipal Waste and Metallica, and yeah, yeah. Slayer and all, all that stuff. So I, I, I loved it. I love both spectrums, but it, it was it was never a case of like oh, I need to do something different. It's just yeah, it was just a case of like. I had already had some riffs because that was mostly what I listened to anyway. Yeah. You know. And with the kind of writing process, obviously we, we've mentioned obviously Dave's kind of driving force behind Rash yeah. and with Monolithian, obviously where it's just you and, and Shannon, mm. like how do you kind of fit into the writing world of, in both? Like, do, Is it a case of with Rash that Dave kind of comes up with Right, here's a riff. Build on that, and then with Monolithian, is it more collaborative because it is just the two of you? It's it's interesting. Rash is is more collaborative. Oh, okay. Um, since we our new bass player, new, he's been in the band like four years. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, since Kev joined the band, it's been we found this perfect medium where we feel like everything we write is exactly what we want it to be, and it's. I'll bring in a song, Kev will bring in a song, Dave will bring in a song. We'll all just bring in songs and, yeah. just, and like, and we'll show how we want it to be. And if someone says, you know, I think that would be cool if we just did that, it's like, yeah, I don't know, or, yeah, 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 that actually that's sick. We just we work on it and stuff. But you know, most of, I I I tend to write really quickly for Rash. Okay. Which is why we pump out albums like really quick, yeah, really quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, everyone just brings in a song. I, I bring in a lot of songs <laughs> but uh, yeah especially like the album uh, not uh, the new album but the last album Headstrong like, yeah. I wrote a lot of, okay. for that but that was just I was just in a time where I just really needed to write yeah yeah like angry shit yeah with Monolithian it, it's, a, it's a case of like I'll, I'll write a complete song okay in my head and then I'll bring it to Shannon and I'll be like this is kind of what I want you to do and then and then we'll work on it from there. Yeah. But in in on our last album, The Waning Moon, like Shannon wrote a lot of the lyrics mm. and did some vocals for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting more collaborative. And the next the album that we're working on now, that we're writing right now, is gonna be a lot more of like me and Shannon working together. Okay, cool. Yeah. So obviously we'll I wanna kind of talk about Monolithian because obviously that's how we met was yeah. was through that. And I think like a lot of people I don't know maybe a lot of people know you better for Monolithian than yeah, totally. they do Rash Decision yeah. so how did like, as you say like you were obviously doing Rash already so how did the kind of Monolithian process come about and because I'm going to jump back a little bit because obviously you started with guitar so when did you kind of move on to bass no I, I started on bass oh okay sorry and, and then I, I was terrible <laughs> You know, I, I would, I just, just couldn't, couldn't get my head around it. So I dropped it for a while, and then I picked up guitar. Right. Okay. And then once I had grasped guitar, I understood bass. Properly. Okay. So it was, it was, yeah. It, I, t it took me to figure out how to play guitar before I really understood what I needed to do on bass because I knew because I, I would like think about what I wanted my bass player to do. Right. And okay. I was like, no, you got to go. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I'll fucking play it. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I get it now. Yeah, Don't yeah, be a dick. <laughs> Play it. Serve the song. But, yeah, so... Oh, what was the question? I got lost. I got lost in my own... No, no, no. So, to be honest, so did I, because I, <laughs> I forgot to ask you about the bass. But just sort of saying about 
how the kind of obviously with you playing in in Rash, how did sort of monolithian kind of come about up right. from that? Lights flickering in here. He's a Uh Well, okay, yeah. Me and Shannon, we met because we wanted to form like a death metal band. Right, okay. It was going to be like a zombie themed death metal awesome. band. I can't even remember what it was called. Ingested or something. <laughs> even though I think that's, that's already a band. No, it was called Septic. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we met then and we just like, we just hit it off. You know, she's my best friend in the whole world. Yeah, she's like my sister. Uh, I, I, there's no one in the world that I'm closer to than Shannon. Yeah, We're like inseparable. Um, and we met, and we just always hung out. And she was listening to so much black metal, like she lived black metal. Yeah, <laughs> she'd walk around in like dark throwing t-shirts. Awesome. ten-inch like, platform boots and shit. Which, if we see Shannon now, it's like what? Cause she's just like the like crusty witch. Yeah. Well, because I think the first time I saw you, she was playing drums in Moon Boots. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, how how is that possible? Yeah, how are you could, going that far? She could only walk fast? around in like boots that were like probably taller than my knees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she was well. She was so into black metal, and all she wanted to do was go to Norway and meet yeah. Hammer from Mayhem. And, <laughs> and I was listening to just Electric Wizard out of my ass, just non-stop wizard yeah and I was introducing her to like Doom and she was introducing me to black metal and I was like wow she was like you know we should just get together and just play it like just us two like just do something that's black metal and Doom and I was like yeah but can I just play bass I'll play it through my guitar amp yeah she was like I don't care (laughs) just do it and then we, we got together and we on the first jam, we 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 sort of jammed a cover of Mayhem's "Freezing Moon." Oh, okay. On bass, I was doing the guitar parts on bass. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> and we were doing um, "Dumantia" by Electric Wizard. Awesome. And "666 Pound Bong Session" by Bongzilla. Yeah. Which ended up being on our first EP. Yeah. And then so we did that for a bit, and then we wrote some songs and we recorded them with. My friend Jimmers, who's in the band F Masculata, yeah, and also Swan Song. Okay, and he yeah, he just recorded it in like two hours. Yeah, we just played it live, and we put it on SoundCloud and didn't think anything of it, you know. Mm. And then people just just found it, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, people wanted us to play shows. It all snowballed really quickly. It was kind of like unexpected and uncomfortable. Yeah, because. <laughs> You know, I was playing for like a line six spider <laughs> yeah. head and like a, a bass I got for like 100 quid from Cash Converse. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, we literally were just like, we should just do it. Who cares? Yeah. You know, we just do it for us. And then we'd wrote it and then everyone just seemed to really like it for some reason. Well, you kind of, because the question I was going to ask like, was with you obviously playing guitar in Rash, like why did you want to do it with just the bass sort of thing rather than a guitar because I think obviously there's a lot of sort of either two pieces or three pieces yeah. that have a guitar that goes through a bass amp but it's un- like especially well, not so much now but when you guys kind of first sort of coming around it was unusual to see a bass player playing through a guitar amp yeah so what why did you want to sort of make that choice it was necessity it's all I had okay <laughs> like, I, I like I I most two-piece bands I'd heard at that point that, like, that had 
guitar and and drums needed so many amps to like fill out that sound like i really like the band black cobra and like he plays through like so many amps and there's some that are high and some yeah, that are yeah. really scooped and it fills out the sound and i couldn't really do that because all i had was a line six yeah, Spider yeah. three <laughs> seventy watt solid state piece of balls yeah yeah and um so it was actually just like, oh, I'm not going to get a full guitar sound. I'll just play bass. Yeah. I know how to do that. It'll sound cool and it'll be interesting and it'll be really heavy for the doom, you know? Just like, boom. Yeah. We, we dropped it down to B. <laughs> stupid. Like, I play in drop C now because drop B is literally just like flapping around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, back then it was just this rumble. Yeah. And it, it, I, I liked it. You know? Yeah, it yeah. It felt powerful. Yeah. It still feels powerful. I've <laughs> I, I, I played through a lot of... <laughs> A lot more amps now yeah yeah than i did back then and obviously with sort of uh obviously you, you mentioned shannon obviously does vocals for the first time in the, in the latest record but obviously it's you you're the lead vocalist yeah. thing and obviously you do backing in rash yeah but were you always sort of like wanting to kind of do sort of vocals or again was it something that came out through necessity no well, in, i always wanted to be a singer right okay like when I was playing that band Bad Channels, I was telling you about. Yeah. I was like doing like Chris Cornell style vocals, Brilliant. like really high pitch, just like screaming my fucking titties off, <laughs> which I have copious amounts of. Um, so that was like like really like singing hard. Like, yeah, like yeah. Really trying to be like the best vocalist I could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I I really pr- prided myself on like my range and like being a technician yeah yeah like that's sort of tit <laughs> but uh, but like when when I did with rap like I started screaming in bad channels because it was like super trendy yeah like the deathcore thing and the bass player wanted to like do breakdowns and stuff right so I was okay like, fine fuck it whatever and I, I would start like yeah 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 so I knew how to do that I taught myself how to do it properly yeah and not hurt myself yeah yeah and then with Rash I started doing it and then with Monolithian I just went balls to the wall yeah. I was like I'm going to make it as fucking evil as I could <laughs> and I haven't really done much singing since then that's well I guess it's kind of yeah I like play, I'll play acoustic guitar and I'll, and I'll try and sing like how I used to and I'm just like I just sound like a old like <laughs> bagpipe that's like half inflated and like, <laughs> um, before we kind of go go into sort of like what you, you're doing sort of now and obviously kind of want to talk about other interests as well but are you still Edge? I'm Edge, yeah. 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 So like me, six years. Like me, you are a man of of the cross variety. Yeah. But I'm I'm trying to become vegan Edge. I'm like slowly. I'm the same. Like yeah, I'm slowly veg- bringing vegetarian it into my at diet. the moment, yeah. but bringing more sort of vegan stuff. But I was vegetarian for a while, but then I went through a difficult breakup. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> and I sat on there's a, there's a thing in pharma called Jacob's Ladder, which is 111 steps. Okay. It's a really steep thing. I sat in the middle of it and I ate six bacon sandwiches. Whoa. And I cried, <laughs> I sobbed, and I went home and I just puked my guts out. <laughs> oh, and, ever since then, and ever since then, I ate, I ate, I just started eating meat. Cause... Yeah. And also, I'm a chef, so yeah, I, I yeah, have exactly. to eat meat. But I'm, I'm making a, a choice to, to try and get cut down. Yeah. But the, the reason I bring it up, because I'm always kind of interested in, in hearing other people's stories as to their introduction to, to Straight Edge and mm. sort of why they sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, connect with that kind of lifestyle. So, yeah. cause like for me, obviously, I was very much into my hardcore. So like bands like Have Heart, 
Bane, Comeback Kid and things like that were kind of very much with me through my teenage years mm. but obviously for for yourself obviously it's kind of the more demia sides and stuff away yeah, it's more kind of related to sort of like sto- yeah, stoner stuff or drinking yeah. so how did you kind of come about the whole straight edge movement and why did you find that appeal it was a lot of the friends I hung out with you know I would smoke a lot of weed and drink and but I did it to, to, to make them think that I was one of them you know yeah and you know, I, I liked the taste of ale, and I <laughs> and I and I liked smoking weed, but I didn't like how it made me feel. Mm. You know, I liked the community part of it, and I liked the taste of it, but everything after that was horrifying. Yeah, yeah. And it just it it triggers the worst in me. Yeah. Like, I like to think of I like I'm I'm closed I'm closed off, but I'm I'm I like to talk to people. I'm yeah. a people person, but as soon as like you put a beer in me, I just. I just want to fucking die like immediately yeah. like I just get so depressed yeah and um you know I when Monolithian were doing some shows of like witch cult and stuff mm. back in the day when we were like a, a fairly new band like not even a year old like I would see like Dean yeah and those guys and I just think like oh man it's so fucking cool what they do I wish I could do that because I fucking hate it mm and then one time me and Shannon were out with some friends and I just got so drunk and I, I was like I'm going to kill myself when I go home mm. there's nothing you can do about it because fuck you all I'm gonna, I am gonna didn't care Yeah. and I was like walking home and like Shannon was like trying to calm me down and she was like singing to me to try and calm me down yeah, and I yeah. was like slamming my head into the fucking walls and fucking stuff hell. I was just like I'm killing myself yeah. it's happening and then I woke up the next morning and I was like, I'm never doing that ever again. That was very kind of similar to like what my situation was. But yeah. like, I would kind of, because when I sort of drunk, I was either, there was no medium. So I was either really angry or like super emotional. Yeah. And so like. I never had fun. Yeah, same. I, just, I was always just like, leave me alone. Yeah. Or I'm fucking going to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's kind of exactly yeah. what I was like as well. And like, I just, like, I never did drugs or anything anyway so yeah. it was just, uh, I, I just I swear I remember that but that was due to just the friends I used to hang out with and stuff yeah. and I regret it every day because I have nothing but like shit memories of my adolescence because I was just trying to be someone I wasn't yeah but yeah, I was just I woke up and I was like I'm never doing that again <laughs> and, and I never did that's cool and everyone was like talking to me like oh yeah sure yeah yeah and I, I we went on I went on tour maybe like a month after with Bangkotusi Monkeys who were like my dad's oh yeah yeah and um, you know Pete's a heavy drinker he's, he's a lot lighter now he had some health troubles but yeah. I remember him being like what are you doing and like our old bass player was like a heavy drinker and he was just like being stupid you think you're better than me like you're judging me I was just like no I'm, I'm just just let me be myself yeah yeah you know and every every now and then you play a squat and someone hands you like a massive hand full of weed and you just have to sit there holding it out as far away <laughs> like someone take this from me please I don't want this but they, they, they don't understand they don't, people don't get it because they think that you're like because you don't do it you immediately judge them for doing it yeah so yeah that's been my biggest problem with it oh yeah t- like I always get like the oh are you alright with me drinking around you or are you alright with me smoking around you like, I don't yeah, give a fuck shit. Like, it's yeah. your, your choice this is mine yeah it's like fuck <laughs> just, just accept it um, the other thing I want to talk to you about before we go back into 
the music sort of side of things mm-hmm. is our other mutual love oh. of wrestling. Oh, <laughs> oh, so, I just got a little bit erect. <laughs> so, um, how how did you kind of get into it in the first place? Well, see here. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I was you know I started watching right at the very start of the Attitude Era. Right. Yeah. And holy fuck, it was you know you know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And me and all my friends loved it, and we all used to like wrestle each other in school. I'd be fucking popping off rock, rock bottoms on people and shit. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was just, I don't know. I just felt it made me feel like, excuse me, that was my throat making a weird sound. <laughs> excuse me, too much ice water. <laughs> don't know. It's hard to put it into words. I'm sure you would agree, but like. I always felt like I was part of something. Fucking Whoa. <laughs> the poltergeist is back. <laughs> I always felt like I was part of something, you know. Yeah, yeah. I loved these athletes. Yeah. These characters, and I could talk to people that also liked them, and we could talk about it. Yeah. Which is something I didn't really have at school because, you know, I didn't. I didn't really have a lot in common with anyone. Yeah, else yeah. Because I was just, I was just, I liked being by myself. Yeah. Did you so? You, have you kind of stuck through it, or did you? Was there I, a kind I, of a drop off? I, I dropped off during the ruthless aggression era, which I, I regret. Yeah, but it was it was a case of like a few things. It was like I was getting really into music, and I I never really watched TV. Yeah, lads, 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 lads. beers, <laughs> um, beers and boobs. Uh, yeah, I I never really watched TV. I still don't. Yeah, I don't really even own a TV. My mum does, but <laughs> I never watch it. <laughs> but um, so I kind of dropped off, and I remember like I would hear stuff, and I'd be like, "Oh, Jeff Hardy's the world champion." Like, what? Yeah, the fuck? yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh, Edge is the world champion. What? <laughs> like thinking he's like these like mid card yeah, tag yeah. team wrestlers and stuff. Like I'd hear all this crazy stuff. Oh, Bradshaw from the APA is world champion. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'd like hear I'd hear stuff like that, and I'd be like, "Oh well." I'm not part of this now. Like so much has changed. I think I like I kind of dropped off near the end of um, the invasion. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I never watched WCW, so I was like, I didn't understand who all these new people yeah. were, and I was like, oh, I don't really care. Yeah. I think a lot of people had that same thing. Yeah, I, I think I can't remember exactly when I kind of dropped off. I think it was sort of just like college, like college, sort yeah. of beginning of uni, and then I got back into it because of the the pipe bomb. Yeah, that was, that was my my way back yeah, in yeah that was about the same I'm, Rash did a tour with a band called Eric Banner and they were like su- super into wrestling and we were staying in the house and they were watching uh, Elimination Chamber yeah and I was like what the fuck is the Elimination Chamber <laughs> this is so cool and I saw CM Punk and I was like wow yeah there's a, a punk he's a wrestler yeah, 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 and he's yeah. straight edge yeah. like, that's like me yeah that's, that's what I was like except he's like super like like an like athletic yeah and, <laughs> and not a big tubby Cornish person but uh, so I was like that's interesting but I, I still kind of left out of it a little bit and then it was the Wrestlemania when Rollins cashed in his money in the bank yeah and then I saw it like I saw it trending and I was like oh man I'm, I'm gonna watch that so I like I found some like illegal link or something yeah. and I watched it and I was like holy shit who are these guys and then, I, then I sort of just I started catching up. Yeah, I was yeah. watching loads of YouTube videos, and I started watching Raw, and then I cut, and then I fell back into it. So at the moment, who's your your go to guy or girl in the WWE? In in wrestling, um, 
shit, man. <laughs> I'm going to sound such a mark, but I really am into Braun Strowman at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Just because I think he's got the most well-figured-out character. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because he's, like, this unstoppable force, but he's also, like, since, like, the Mixed Match Challenge and how he's been with Alexa yeah, Bliss, yeah. he's, like, this total gentleman that, like, like is not creepy at all and, like, yeah. never wants to give that idea, but he's, like, this massive man that can do anything he wants yeah, to, yeah, but yeah. he's just, like, he cares about people. Yeah, yeah. He cares about this little bratty princess. Yeah, <laughs> people that are nice to him. Yeah, and and it's just really it's really fun watching him throw a an like a computer chair at Roman Reigns' head. <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. I was just like, oh, man, I didn't, I, 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 never thought I'd say that. Yeah, Braun Strowman is awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I'm really into it. Um, I'm trying to think, man. AJ Styles is the best wrestler of all time. Yeah, apart from Kurt Angle. So AJ's killing it. Even Miz is killing it. Yeah. I'm probably going to get a lot of people laughing at me for this, but I will always be a fan of Dolph Ziggler. I don't to know. be fair, like he, he's just really badly booked at the moment. He's yeah. an incredible worker. But... He's badly booked, but I, I just I like the fact now because he was going to leave. Yeah. And obviously they were like, you need to stay with us. So now he's just like, okay, but I don't care. Yeah. So yeah. he's just been like cutting these like promos on Instagram where he's just like, doesn't give a shit. Ripping it at people and he's just like, yeah. See, yeah. See you later, Marks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yes. Um, yeah. And Alexa Bliss is awesome. Charlotte Flair is the, pretty the f- female Kurt Angle. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah, I know yeah, that definitely. sounds really bad to no, say. No, no, no. I get what you mean. But like, if there's, a, if there's an athlete in the, in the in WWE that's closer to, that's like got like that kind of te- technicality, yeah, yeah. it's her. She's amazing. And obviously, Sasha's amazing. Yeah. Everyone likes amazing. Cool. Well, we'll get back into to the music part of things because I just, I realised while we were talking about yeah. this. I, I, I don't talk about wrestling. No, no, no. Like, I just, there's something that I've completely forgot to ask. Obviously, being a man from Cornwall, were you kind of part of the the whole Dirty Sunday scene? Were you kind of involved in, in the that? end? Yeah, they never wanted to. Um, Jack Stringer, who did the Dirty Sunday thing, never really wanted to to, to, to do deal with anything that mm. I was doing. But did, I mean, like, did you go sort of go along in in general? Yeah, we. we I never really went. Um, I never really felt welcomed by that. Okay. It was weird. We 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 had our own we had our own scene mm. it was like the Cornish sort of metal scene yeah when I was doing bad channels and rash and stuff you know I'd put on excuse me I'd put on shows in the live bar in Truro and all that stuff and that was always a separate thing and it was more like the cool bands that you know I hadn't really sort of broken out into that scene yet yeah you know, I just played in Cornwall and then when Monolithian came along and I think all the hardcore kids were like you gotta get Monolithian on the bill yeah yeah and then we finally did get on yeah. the bill well, like, because I remember there was a period, not just the Dirty Sundays, but obviously in Truro there was a, a really cool sort of buzzing scene as well. So, yeah, totally. Talk me through like what that was kind of like to be a part of, because obviously like now there's not really a whole lot in Cornwall for, um, for well from an outsider. No, sort well, of point th- of there view. there is now. It's 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 brewing back up again. Okay, cool. It's like um like a garage rock. Okay. Um, revival. There's an, there's an amazing band called Tin Fruit. Um, they're fucking incredible. They're like the best dudes. Yeah. The bass player has a monolithian tattoo. Awesome. He's a. They're just. They're just great. Yeah. And they've like spearheaded this like whole new revival. It's about a punk band called Bobby Funk, who Shannon plays drums for. And there's just this whole new scene. So it's like buzzing, but mm. it's like not how it was. Okay. 
you know, it, there was like this huge metal metal society, this metal scene, and then everyone started bitching each other at Facebook and everyone oh, university, okay. and then that died out. And then it was like a few of us. It was like me and Craig from F Masculata and like Mikey Venus Anger, yeah, yeah, and, and Max K, yeah, and like Frank Pello and stuff. And then we, we something we like try and put on shows, like yeah, we yeah. put on the Coliseum show, and Max and all that would kind of put on like Let It Die, and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And so like there was yeah, it was it was happening, and then it, it all just sort of died again, yeah, because venues kept closing, yeah. Like studio bar still open, but he wants to play. You know, the studio bar is so small, and <laughs> and it's it's all cool until like midnight hits, and then all the locals from all the other pubs file in the studio yeah, bar, yeah. and it becomes an absolute cesspit. Yeah, of like horrible attitudes and horrible personalities. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard, man. Mm. You know, and obviously you're on the show tonight with Rash, but obviously doing. Is it, are you doing a couple of dates with, with this, or is this just a one-off? Just, uh, just one-off. Yeah, so, but then obviously you've got Monolithian tour in, is it April? End of April, beginning of May. Yeah. It's ending, it's, we're finishing off at Desert Fest, and then with a show in Primit, with Primitive Man in, in Nottingham. Yeah. So, obviously, still sort of very busy, but one of the things that I did want to touch on is something that you've recently put out through Monolithian was the, the Live in Oslo thing, and obviously I yeah. know that both you and Shannon like to go to to Norway anyway was a massive kind of it was. goal so so how was that kind of whole experience and how did the kind of do it getting the live recording sort of idea come about I didn't even know that was going to happen oh, okay <laughs> the 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 um the owner of I'll, I'll 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 go back a bit here like yeah since me and Shannon known each other she always wanted to go to Norway yeah and when we released our very first demo we met a guy called Krista who like knew a bunch of the the Cena dudes from you know, the the UK scene? Yeah, yeah. And he and he was in Norway, and he bought like twenty copies of our our CD. Jesus Christ! <laughs> he bought them so he could give them to friends and put them in, That's cool, in, in man. record stores. And he was an absolute fucking legend. And um, so we were like, we need to go to Norway. We need to play with Krista. We need to meet Krista, and we just want to go there and just say that we went there. Cause yeah, it's yeah. Like a dream, you know. Uh, unfortunately, Shannon didn't get to meet Hellhammer from uh, <laughs> from Nor- uh, from Mayhem, but you know there's still time. We didn't get to meet Fenris, <laughs> but you know Norway's a big place. But yeah, it was it was a massive dream. And then when when Dave from Rash was like, "We oh, want to do this tour of Europe. Um, does Monolithian want to come?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You know, it would be cool if we went to to Norway. Yeah, we could hit Sweden and like Denmark and stuff on the way." So we did that. So it was all booked up. I messaged Christo. I was like, yo, can you book us a show? Like, same night, he was like, yeah, it's booked. It's, That's it's, awesome. it's in a really, really cool anti-fascist squat that has been occupied for like 30 years. That's awesome. In Oslo, and it's called The Blitz. And now they own that whole building. That's awesome. And it's also like a, like a punk rock DIY radio station. Awesome. They have an old BBC mixing desk in the basement. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that, that was like, it's it like, couple several million pounds if you're hearing noise by the way that's the sound checking band <laughs> but yeah like so you're in this squat in Norway and they have like this multi-million pound BBC mixing desk and like a radio tower on the top that's of it that's so nice and like the front of the building is probably like a 20 foot swastika that's been split in half that's sick and it's f- so fucking rad and they have a, this huge this huge like band room 
like this like maybe like the size of like an O2 venue or something it's fucking yeah, yeah. huge and then they have this tiny little bar so yeah we came in we played this tiny little bar and they were like it's gonna be no one here because in the summertime in Scandinavia everyone goes on their holidays you know yeah. so there's no one really at the shows and then we played and the place just like filled out yeah. and I was like this is fucking great <laughs> and it was a really emotional day because it it was also the funeral of mine and Shan's dear friend Ed Haddon he used to like drive us around okay. to shows when we didn't have when Shannon couldn't drive yeah so we played London and he would take us there yeah and he, he was like one of the biggest supporters he was like one of my best friends we talked to him every day mm. and then he, he died of a heart attack oh shit and we couldn't be at his funeral because we were in Norway yeah so it was a really emotional show because we were like living our dream playing Norway and also it was like Ed's thing so. yeah and then yeah we played our, our little sausages off <laughs> and then and then Bjorn's like uh, so when do you want to hear the recording I was like we talk about it he's like ah oh, I professionally recorded your set that's nuts I was like fuck off like <laughs> no he did it and, and then he took me downstairs and showed me the, the huge magazine desk pressed a button and then like there's the set coming through that's sick I was like fuck I wish I would have known cause like I turned my amps up way too loud so like the, the mics were clipping and like you could hear the amps like that was probably the loudest gig we ever did yeah cause I was like I need to destroy these people yeah yeah so like yeah I wish I would have known and like my voice was blown out because I'd just been doing excuse me I can't stop burping man <laughs> that's cool man I've just been doing like two sets a night yeah, for like, yeah, for like two weeks straight so my voice was blown out and every high scream I did sounded like Rob Halford <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so I, we played really hard but it was like super sloppy and then he showed me the, the recording and I was like fuck yeah and I was like oh cool but he probably wouldn't send them to me yeah because that, that happens all the time you play gigs and like oh we recorded it professionally and then but then you have to like pay some yeah, yeah, for yeah. it or something but he was like yeah I'll send it to you and I was like oh cool we're driving through Sweden the next day to get to Hamburg we played Norway and then Hamburg the next day fucking hell ridiculous and I get an email from Bjorn and it's the fucking song it's like it's the, all the songs and I was just like shit man that's fucking nuts so we've been sitting on it for about a year and I was we haven't we haven't really done much for a while so I was like fuck it let's just get out of there yeah yeah and then I put it up for a couple of quid and then I can help out with whatever yeah but yeah that was like a, a game changing show yeah and then literally after we played he was like do you want to come back and play a festival for us in October and I was like I don't know man we can't get to Norway to do a one off and he was like oh, we'll pay for your flights what and then literally booked us that show and paid for the flights that evening what, what's the festival it's Svart's Oktoberfest oh okay it's not the one that Svalbard are playing no it's not the same fest as Svalbard are playing Svalbard one of the greatest bands in the UK shout out <laughs> I give them enough love on this yeah. show they don't need it anymore Pro- yeah probably probably the greatest band one of them Deb and Grand Collapse and Two Sea Monkeys <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so it was just cra- it was incredible that's cool man and then yeah we flew out to it and we it was it was just a doom metal family reunion yeah yeah we all, had, we all slept in a loft and it was us uh, the band Bong oh, okay the band Beth Mora from Denmark uh, Nomadic Rituals from Ireland yeah and we were all just like in this loft just like they were all smoking weed and I was just sitting there like hey guys <laughs> don't blow my way <laughs> it, was, it was such a nice time I, I was really sick as well I had 
tonsillitis and uvulitis at the same oh, time. Oh shit! So I would literally talk and blood would fall out of my mouth. Fuck, man! But it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it for the cult factor. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, because the other thing that I wanted to to kind of always talk about is that I, I I don't mean this in in, in disrespectful way in no? any way, but. Monolithian seems to have kind of got more momentum behind it than Rash. Like, obviously, Rash is kind of, as you yeah. say, doing shit loads of stuff. But there's a lot of people that maybe not necessarily know the Rash stuff yeah. as familiar. Well, it's two different scenes. You know, Rash. We we've been building a lot of momentum, but it's in the, like that punk scene, yeah, the underground punk cross punk scene, like labels like Pumpkin Records and TNS and stuff. Like, yeah. So, you know, we've finally been sort of. We've paid our dues and we're yeah, finally yeah. getting there. But like Monolithium was a completely different story, mm. and it was completely organic, which is just the weirdest thing. Yeah, you know, and it is. We we play bigger shows. Well, because that's what I was going to say. Because obviously, a couple of years ago, you obviously did Temples. Yeah, you've done other sort of festivals and and things yeah. since. And I remember talking to you at at Temples because obviously you, you mentioned Bongzilla and obviously yeah, you guys that was bizarre man. <laughs> doing a cover of their song next to them and then playing with them sort of thing. Yeah, so, like because they set up merch next to us and started talking to us. I was like, hey. <laughs> and um, they were just like, yeah, you you did a cover of our song. <laughs> I was like, yeah, was like yeah, that's fucking sick, man. <laughs> I was like, shit. <laughs> And yeah, they were but like apparently there was a misprint on their record. So the song that we covered we thought was six hundred and sixty six pound bong session is actually called Trinity and the song on the record called Trinity is actually six hundred and sixty pound bong session. Okay. But they sw- switched it around. So they misprinted so we ended up having a misprint because we're covering a song that isn't even the song. <laughs> and they're like, Yeah, you've been our song Trinity, man, but you got you got the wrong title on the album. <laughs> I was like, Fuck but um, like for you, like personally, obviously, again, because obviously we met through. I think I think the first time I saw you, you might have been playing the Edge of the Wedge or something like that. Most likely. And um, obviously, like going from playing like the smaller venues, the squats and things like that, mm. to doing the the festivals and things, and even like our last show, you played the big show yeah. stage in the Wedge. So, Chipfest. do you like? Because for. For an outsider, like obviously sound-wise, for you guys that must be better because you're playing through a huge PA. But like, it what's is. it like for you personally being on that bigger stage where it is just the two of you? It's it's hard. Sometimes it's awesome. It all really depends. Mm. It's kind of strange. Like, there's a lot of empty space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes when the stages are so big, my like speaker cables don't really stretch that far. <laughs> so, I, it, you know, I have to sort of compact everything and then I don't like, really like being too far away from Shannon. Yeah, stage, yeah, of course. Because I like to look her in the eye and <laughs> be like, yeah. <laughs> and like, she just like try to avoid me because I'm like embarrassing, so, so I'm so embarrassing her. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's really intense. She's just like, oh, go away. <laughs> That's like, my life is just annoying, Shannon. But it, it's strange. But yeah, the sound is obviously going to be intensely loud, which is good. Yeah, yeah. But there's a separation from the crowd mm. that sometimes is lame. Yeah, yeah. But that's that comes with the territory, yeah. I guess. 
I guess the big I guess the more you play on stages like that the more that becomes the norm mm. and then I guess you'd play a floor show and be like oh man people are like right in my yeah, face yeah yeah you know do, but, do you have a preference like since playing um, the bigger shows like, do you prefer that or do you, I, do you I still like, like the, the stages that are like are about knee high right so like you're a, the cabs are raised just enough so it's blasting in people's skulls yeah yeah but like you can look at someone in in like you're in the face and like grab yeah. their hand or something, you know. That's probably my favorite kind yeah, of yeah. thing. But like playing someone like the Camden Underworld, where people's like just their like their shoulders and their chins are above the stage, you know. It's kind of like this. I don't want to feel like I'm above anyone. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. But that's not that's not the case. They just want to jam out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I I I don't think it really matters to Shannon. Yeah, she just goes in the zone and then comes out of it. Goes away. <laughs> yeah. You know, she she locks in, goes in the zone, and then snaps out of it, and then she's back to normal. <laughs> Brilliant. Which sometimes that used to be me, but when I cut my hair, I was a bit more exposed. Yeah, yeah. I started worrying about what people was looking at me and stuff, but it's cool. Cool. And I'll sort of, sort of start rounding up now, but obviously, you mentioned obviously Rash got a new new record coming out. Yeah. So and Monolithian writing more new writing stuff right now. Yeah, it's it's like early stages. We kind of write slow. Yeah, it's like I was saying earlier. When we do anything, we do things on our own speed. Mm. We don't want to feel like we'll like have to work to a schedule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we like to get things out quick. Yeah, we don't want to like go like we try and get an album out like every two years. Yeah, but I, I guess like you don't want to kind of just force it totally like if 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 something feels like we're doing it because we feel like we have to it's not going to be good yeah um and uh, there's always pressure like it's a blessing and a curse because (laughs) there's such a blessing and a curse (laughs) but like everything we've released so far people have really fucking liked it yeah yeah and we haven't really had a bad review of anything yet no well which is which is awesome it's fucking great and i'm so grateful and i'm glad that people like what we do because we're not trying to please anyone we're just doing what we want to listen to i think a a prime example is sea of trees is still like loads of people's favorite yeah that's that's our hit single and that was what how many years ago fuck Um, like seven maybe yeah no yeah about that yeah that's you put that out didn't you I did yeah yeah hero <laughs> hero yeah that's our that's our probably our biggest most like sung along yeah, to the yeah. song which is weird because it's like just a, it's a, just about killing yourself yeah it's miserable but I think people can relate to that yeah. sadly but yeah so everything we've done people have been super involved with it which is fucking awesome yeah but it also stresses me out so bad because it's like it's only a matter of time yeah before yeah. we put out the one record that people are like oh they didn't really connect with me as much yeah yeah and I don't really ever want to do that but I guess it's out of my control yeah so there's like every album we release I was like I'm just like fuck <laughs> what if this is the one they're like what is this shit <laughs> like with, with, with Waning Moon when we recorded that and we had a song that was like kind of clean yeah yeah it was like kind of like chill and then there's then there's there's not really screen vocals it's more like kind of chanting yeah yeah Melvins-esque vocals I was like people are going to listen to that and think we're fucking goofy yeah yeah you know but that is like everyone that's everyone's like top tuned yeah everyone's always like I love that song and I was like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) thank shit (laughs) yeah man yeah and I completely forgot to to ask so I am going to flip back quickly but for for you lyrically wise like I think because obviously I don't know a lot of it's not kind of 
obvious of of what the sort of themes and connections are sometimes yeah so how, how do you kind of what's your sort of process of like sort of writing lyrics and are, are there things that kind of specific things that sort of inspire you yeah. each time I or? hate writing lyrics <laughs> mainly because like I'm just I'm dyslexic and, oh, okay. also, and also like I don't know when I, when I get them down I'm happy with them yeah, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm not so good at like forcing myself to create yeah, and yeah, when I know, I know that I have to like I'll, if, I, if I don't have to I'll get a, a thousand songs done yeah. but as soon as I have a deadline I'm just like oh <laughs> like Shannon is amazing at writing so she can she can just creative write her little face off yeah yeah and to me it's it's diff- more difficult does, does Shannon write, write vocal uh, lyrics as well? Or? She she wrote lyrics to the song Second of the Starry on um, on on Finest Day, and she she sort of co-wrote Treebeard as well because she's the in-house Tolkien expert. Right. And then she and then, <laughs> like and, and then she wrote she wrote the lyrics to Crone as well on the new album Wayne and Moon, and uh, sort of bounced off ideas from yeah. the song Mantis Rider but that was something that I wrote but I sort of asked her like what, what, what would yeah. be cool but on Finest Day it was it was like the sad thing behind that album was like I was like so ready to check out that that was going to be like my musical suicide note Yeah, I was going to record that I was going to release it I was going to send off pre-orders and I was going to fucking hang myself mm. and that was what was in my head I Yeah. Think. so when I look back at the lyric, like the original lyrics of that album were obvious as fuck yeah yeah I literally just like I'm fucking gone like, yeah but then I kind of made it a bit more vague so it would still be enjoyable and not mm. just like this bleak as fuck yeah because yeah. like, I, I wanted people to list to still listen to it yeah like a magnum opus type deal <laughs> yeah um, so that one was like was really just like like bearing like my soul out a little bit not like massively obvious but like it's there yeah yeah and then Waning Moon was more like almost like storytelling yeah because I think like, obviously you've mentioned Shannon's obviously like Tolkien's sort of yeah. expertise and obviously that's something that comes into yeah to if you read the lyrics to Second of the Astari there's some like um sort of callbacks to like really deep 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 down Silmarillion type phrases yeah. in there she's ridiculous be yeah, like on on Wayne and Moon, she wrote Crone. We were, we spent about like three hours in the witchcraft museum taking notes. Awesome. And she she put together this like tribute to all these women that were just killed for no reason, yeah. other than people thought they were witches. Yeah, they were like, well, how can we get rid of how yeah, can we yeah. get rid of women or oh, the witches? <clears throat> yeah, you know. So she she took the reins on that, and it's awesome, most powerful lyrics. And then I wrote a song about like, what if the earth just killed everyone on yeah. it like, like sweating out a virus yeah and then I wrote Mantis Rider about a, <laughs> this one was like this one was like the anti-human album because like <laughs> Mantis Rider is about like the goddess of the earth riding a two-headed praying mantis nice like just wiping out humanity and like regrowing the earth and stuff yeah and then there's the, the song I Exodia is on I don't know if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that right <laughs> on the album that's just about like Parasites, and stuff. yeah, yeah, metal. <laughs> but yeah, so lyrically, it's like whatever. Well, when I'm writing for Rash, it's it's like kind of half storytelling, half like diary. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, 
I've sort of round, I will round things up now after saying it. <laughs> I can um, talk all day. No, no, it's cool, man. Um, but how I kind of like to, to end this is to ask who my guest is what their um, favourite song is that they've written, but with a, a bit of a twist. So what is their favourite song they've written that they like to play live? Obviously, with yourself, you've got two two bands that you can choose from. So yeah. you can either choose one from each band or if there's one one song that sticks out in particular then go for that um, and obviously I'd like a reason as to why that is your favourite yeah I would choose one from each band quick just because they're like kind of different yeah know? oh man <laughs> I thought you'd had it nailed then and then you were sort of no I, I, I thought I did and then I thought about it and I was like oh, shit shit that's my Barry White you ever heard Barry White when he's he's trying to record an no, advert for a radio no. thing he got the outtake, outtake go on YouTube type in Barry White Outtakes. Okay. He's like trying to cut. He's like, uh, yeah, shit. <laughs> trying to get a spot, Tony. Jesus. I'm gonna have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, oh, it's great. Sorry, that's that's my barrel work. But um, probably Monolithian. It's probably gonna be Sea Trees. Yeah. Just because that one was like, it means a lot, and it's meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. I've got a lot of emails from people saying that like that song really helps them. Um, and it's like helped a lot of people so that one is probably my favourite one just because of how it's affected people yeah yeah so, and people love it and people sing along to it and I remember playing Temples Fest and like literally cutting my sound out during like the like no one yeah, yeah. and like seeing everyone I think it and, was like me Fiona yeah. Red oh uh, yeah someone else that we don't talk about um, yeah. Tony and like there's just like a row of us at the front. Oh, uh, dude, I, yeah, I was like, you know, I get, I get a bit emotional thinking about like that kind of moment. Like, yeah, everyone there that I love and respect so much and like look up to and wish I could be as cool as. And <laughs> you're all, you're all there. And you're just like, you just like supporting me. And it just, yeah, man, it means a lot. And everyone was so awesome. So it's pretty sea trees and Monolithian. Rash, um, lyrically, there's a song on the new album called Buzzsaw Tomahawk. Which is awesome name. Yeah, it's it's it means nothing, but I, <laughs> I basically wrote like a short story for the lyrics, which is about like this demonic biker. Nice. And I'm like really proud of the lyrics on that one. But I think like overall song to play live is um pretty a song called Inanimate. Yeah. From our last album, which is like it's all about like kind of when you're in a relationship with someone and you re- and you just feel like they treat you like furniture yeah like yeah you yeah. really mean nothing to them but like they don't want to let you go because like it's it's easier for, yeah, for them yeah. to just like drag you along you know so it was kind of like about that and that's with any relationship that could be like family and stuff yeah like, yeah when family just they like won't let you move on because yeah. they like they just can't be asked to like deal with life yeah differently it's certainly I've dealt with a lot so that, that one's so yeah pretty inanimate and sea trees are probably my favourite ones I've written perfect brilliant Simon thank you very much it's an absolute pleasure thank you very much that's rad cheers oh. baby <laughs> So there we have it, folks. A massive thanks to Simon and our little friend, the poltergeist, who kept fucking around with the lights in the flat that we were in. Um, yeah, uh, just as we were having the chat afterwards, uh, Si went on and did a show of Rust Decision. Unfortunately, I had to to shoot straight off after 
after having a little chat with him, but I'm pretty sure I'll see him again soon at some point. Um, he's currently out on tour with Monolithian, who have had a bit of a bit of van trouble. So, if anyone can help them out, I'll put the link to to their band uh, page and stuff, and all the other various links in the description of this of this episode. But I'll flag the the band one just to kind of help them guys out because I know I think I can't remember where they were stuck. Maybe like Czech Republic when I checked last. Um, who knows? By the time this this goes out tomorrow morning, they might have had it all sorted. But more anyway, go check out their their Facebook pages, band camps, whatever. Monolithian, a fucking rad as a rash, rash decision. Um, so yeah, check out the links. Um, next week uh, will be the return of the WWE roundtables, uh, as we have Backlash, which is the first proper pay per view post Mania. Um, I'm not really counting the Greatest Royal Rumble because it was just a one-off. There was not really any story development or anything. However, even if you aren't a wrestling fan, I highly recommend going to check out uh, Titus O'Neil stacking it on his way to the ring during the Greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, Trust me, you will thank me later for going to watch it. Um, But yeah, that's it for this week. Again, thank you very much for joining me on the Justin Insight Podcast, and I'll see you soon. (laughs) 